today we were sitting down, couldn't get together for Christmas this year, at least not like we usually can. So we thought it'd be fun to interview Grandma Rita. She's lived a long life and there's probably a lot we don't know about her. So I'm excited to see what we can come up with. And we got Bo, Josie, Mom here. Let's get going. Get ready for a wild ride full of laughs, unbelievable stories, and unforgettable conversations. This is the Eastus Brothers Podcast, where you're welcome to join three small-town brothers as they discuss sports, current events, or whatever topics come to mind. Now, kick back, relax, and prepare to have a fun time with Bo, Cody, and Josie. You guys ready? Ready. All right, where do you guys want to start? We were talking last night, Bo, and first of all, we were like, how old is Grandma? That might be a good place to start. When were you? You're talking about me? Yeah. Yeah. You probably wouldn't even know how far to go back. Three twelve thirty-two. Now you figure it out. Three twelve thirty-two. Carry the one. 88. 88. Our teacher over there. And where, where were you born? Grinnell, Kansas, in the house that I grew up in. And left when I got married. Oh, that's awesome. Don't tell don't tell that to Leanne. She disapproved uh, when we did that. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> she disapproves of what? Of a home birth. We, oh, the home birth. Well, I probably do now too. <laughs> <laughs> I understand my dad told me that on my one brother, the doctor was down at this old hotel having coffee. By the time they got him out of there, my brother Charlie was born, but they still got charged for his services. So basically, the hospital and medical bills haven't changed a whole lot in you know the eighty-eight years. Well, not really, except the dollar signs. Right? Yeah. So where I, the, where are the decimals at? Yeah. Were all your were all your brothers and sisters born at home too? Yes, they were. All in the same house. Yes, and I remember when my youngest brother was born. They told us they took us to the school carnival, and then we all had to go upstairs to bed and be quiet. What we heard, we thought was a cat meow, and it was really my youngest brother, Red, taking his first breath, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, how many how many brothers and sisters do you have? Just for you know, even when your great great grandkids listen to this and everything. Four brothers and three sisters, just like wow, you. four and four, again. just like your mother. Man. <laughs> Were you uh, were you named after anybody? Was your name uh, was there any special meaning to it? Were you named after a family member? Or? You want to really hear the story? Yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> All right, I have an older sister called Bernice. When mm-hmm. she was a baby, mom was changing her, and she couldn't find the diaper pin. That was before all the throwaway stuff, and so they looked everywhere they could think to look, and it was nowhere around. So she made a, she prayed. My mom was very into calling for help. And she prayed to St. Rita, who is the saint of the impossible. And she said that if that, if this daughter lives, and if she did swallow it, uh, I will, if I ever have another daughter, I will name her Rita. Wow. What? So here I'm in. Pardon? If she swallowed what? Bernice swallowed Bernice? Did Bernice swallow the pen? I was told yes, that it showed up later in a diaper. <laughs> oh. so, so did Bernice then oh, take credit for your name? Yeah, we talked about that a lot. And over the years, Bernice and I became probably the closest of the siblings. Huh. 
not not because of that, because I don't think I realized the impact of that until, gosh, after I was married. Yeah, so we the two of us uh, seemed to have a lot of things to do together to enjoy. You had a lot of kids in common. She had yeah. ten kids, and you had and you had eight. And we lived next door for four years at that one period of time. So, in in Grinnell. In Grinnell. Mm-hmm. In Grinnell. So, and I loaded my fitter table with as much as, as many as I should have had there. The rest had to go to her house because we <laughs> didn't know who would show up when. <laughs> so. And were all the kids about about the same age, same ages, or have uh, cousins? Hers, hers and mine, uh, most of them. Her, she has a couple older ones. But. And a couple younger ones. Yeah. So, yes. They we are. all had our own cousin. Yeah. So that's really important for me is don't lose connection with your family. It's important to have all those people with you. Well, that's why we do Christmas. That's yeah, that's the beauty of yeah. Christmas and getting together. Having and you know, I think it's pretty evident in our family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. On both sides, you yeah. know, from our, our side. and Right. right. Yeah. What, uh, speaking of childhoods and things like that growing up, what, what do you see as the biggest difference between kind of your childhood and kids growing up today? Probably quite a few differences. Um, I came from a very small community, so I didn't have, even at that time, like um, skating rinks and bowling alleys. We had a theater for a while. So our time was spent on whatever we could dream up. It wasn't that we had video games or parks or planned outings, traveling sports teams. So what we did was pretty much what we thought up and and made happen. So uh, kick the can. Yeah, yes. a little more imagine imagination. Yeah. I was born between the four boys, so uh, I had to learn how to play like they played, with kick the can and football, backup football, and whatever else. And they had to leave my playhouse alone. <laughs> <laughs> We made covered wagons out of our wagons, and we traveled west a lot. Yeah? Yeah. And what's, what's the age gap between the oldest and the youngest of your siblings? My oldest sister, Fritz, uh, she is 10. No, she uh, was born in 22. 22, right? Yeah. So she's 10 years older than you. Yeah, and um, she's 16 years older than my youngest brother, who just passed away. So my three oldest sisters were pretty much off on their own by the time I was old enough to remember a lot of interaction with them, except babysitters probably. So in, you know, you were born in 1932. In 39, the market crashes. Did that, did that stuff affect people in Grinnell? I mean, the Depression, I, I'm sure the Dust Bowl and things like that did, but the well, economy and everything um, kind of crashing, was that? When I look back, I guess I... I admire my parents more now than I did then um, because they learned to provide for themselves and others. We gardened, mom raised chickens, dad fixed machinery with whatever he had necessary so the farmers could continue farming. And uh, a lot of those debts were still on the book after he died that he never was able to collect it. He didn't worry about that. And I guess the market crashed in 29. Not thirty, but yeah. So you grew up then, yeah, during that depression. I was born, know, born sixth child in the depression. Right. So I'm sure my parents were looking and seeing my. I don't know how we'll make this, but we'll do what we have to. Right. 
And grandma, a lot of those things, I mean, you've, those are things that you've carried with you your whole life, right? You, you know, gardening, canning, right? Things that uh, you've been doing that stuff for, yeah. for uh, 89 years, right? Yeah, that was part of uh, my mother's responsibility, I guess, was teaching me how to do that. And, uh, but I also, being born within the four boys, I had a coping saw, and I learned how to use the, the grinder wheels at the garage. I could swing on the old motor hose that we had there. Uh, I look back and think I did a lot of things that I see young girls, I guess I'd say, not capable of doing because they don't have I see a lot of similarities here between you and my wife that I didn't I was going to say that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and again, that's the way, that's reality. Yeah, kind of really a difference in times there. Yeah. I really appreciate that now probably more than I used to simply because I don't feel compromised by the corona shut-in. Uh, I could do lots of things there at home if I want to. Yeah. I don't have to just sit and feel bad because I'm at home alone. I'm really not. And uh, so, yeah, I look back on mine. My mother had the other virus in 1918 and almost died. The Spanish Spanish flu? flu. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so I circle. 100 years later, I had it with very little symptoms, and she almost passed away with hers. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of fun to go back and see where re- history repeats itself. Yeah. Well, How old would your mom, your mom have been, Grandma, when she when she had the Spanish flu? Eighteen. Eighteen. Mm-hmm. Ah. Yeah. So I didn't hear a whole lot of stories about that until I got older. But uh, she was raised by her dad and her older siblings. Her mother died when she was eight days old, and. Uh, oh, wow. It was a kind of, going back in my history, they moved Grandpa to town. The custom then was for the youngest daughter of a family, after she was married, to live with the parents, and they would help take care of him. Well, when that happened, it was the daughter who died, and they moved Grandpa and the kids into the tent city. What's the tent city? The city was Washington, Missouri. Oh. And so... I don't think he ever recovered from that, but she grew up by her sisters and a, and an aunt who moved back to help. And my dad's mother died when he was four. Really? So I didn't know my real grandmothers. Uh-uh. Oh, wow. He remarried. He remarried three times. He went through the wives. Third time's a charm. His first wife died uh, pregnant. She was picking cherries and fell. Then his second wife, that dad's mom, uh, she died when the youngest one, I don't know how old my aunt was, and uh, he remarried and they had three more. But the youngest one at that point was sent to St. Louis to be raised by an aunt and uncle. So we never really got to know that family until we were older. Yeah. Was that just a, was that financial hardship? I think it was a, a point of survival. You married again because right. my granddad was a farmer you know, on the Missouri, out there on probably the Missouri uh, River Ground. And uh, he remarried, and they had three more children. That's the grandmother I knew. And they lived in town by then. So. 
How much of that Grandma, did you know, what? Mom? Huh? What? How much of that did you know? I knew that grand that that her grandfather had married three times. I knew that, and that grandma's that granny's mother died. Yeah. Uh, when she was a baby, and her aunts mar- uh, raised her. And I guess she was threatened to be moved to also an aunt and uncle, and her older sister, my aunt, went and complained to her aunt and said they were going to take Regina away from them. And she said, no, they won't. I will move back mm-hmm. with my grandpa, which was her brother. Mm. She said, and I'll help raise her, but they will not remove her from the family. Oh, wow. Well. I look at my past. I wasn't didn't have too many uh, situations I had to deal with like that. So. Yeah. What's your favorite memory from your childhood? Is there <laughs> any in particular? Anyone that stands out? Uh, oh, there's lots of them. Um, I think when my sister joined the convent, we had to meet the Union Pacific Railroad or the train to put her on, and she was going clear to Wisconsin. And she had to stay there a whole year before she could come home. Did the train stop there in Grinnell? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I worked for the post office. I had to go out and put the mailbag on the hook. But anyway, anyway, I think when she (laughs) left, I was old enough to feel really bad about that. I was about six. Yeah. And how old was Sister Kenneth then? Fifteen. Wow. I was going to go to the convent when I was 14. Did you know that? Then you met Grandpa? No. No, not <laughs> Oh, no, that was off limits. I didn't get a date till I was almost 17 or was, 18. Was that common for everybody, or was that just your parents like, nope, you're not Oh, yeah, I had, I had aspirations about being in the convent. Oh, it would be a great adventure. I could leave home and travel. What, what, changed, what changed your mind, Grandma? <laughs> My dad was a very wise man. He said, well, you go to one year of high school. And then we'll give you all the help you need to go where you want to go. Well, one year of high school was all I needed. I liked sports. I liked school. I liked my friends. I like boys. I didn't get to date, but I like boys. And so one year, and I said, no, I don't think so. So my dad was very wise in his decision making. Yeah, let you get a taste of it. And that's right. That's all it needed to change your mind. Yeah. Did Sister Kenneth, did she go to high school for a year? Or? One year. And she, she was, still? She was a cheerleader. She tap danced. She played basketball. And uh, she, she had a calling. She really had Truly. a calling, but she also, they called home after she'd been there several months and said that she was very unhappy. And her and she had two friends that went with her. And they were all very unhappy that folks should consider bringing her back home. And Dad said, you tell her to stay for, I don't know, whether it was a week more, and then, well, I guess her and her friend went back and talked to the mother superior and said the next day, they had their suitcases packed, and they decided they were going to stay. So Dad said, no, give it a little more time. Yeah, and she was a missionary. She ended up in Nicaragua. Just a little keynote, she was in Nicaragua with Philip. Robert's great aunts also, great, great aunts. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, When Marla and I grew up, our aunts were in the same place together as nuns. Uh, Yeah. Did she get like helicopter lifted out? Yeah. 
that's another whole story. <laughs> one, if you want to hear it. In the middle of the yeah. revolution. Right. When the yeah. Sandinistas took over. Uh, she was in Porto Cabezas. She had been put in charge of the education, and she was a teacher. So she was told to get her stuff together that the they had told them, the military had said she had to go into Managua to be with her passport and all. So they put her on a military plane with another sister, took her into Managua, and they put him in the embassy, and then they moved him somewhere else. And nobody ever, ever came back to see about them. So the nuns that lived there found out she was still in the city but hadn't contacted anybody. So they had taken her passport, which meant she couldn't go back to Portico Basis. So they put her on a plane and sent her to Miami. And this was in February. They had no winter clothes. They had just her there. clothes on her back and her yeah, purse. And a purse. So the, and how they she been in Nicaragua for 30, years at that point? 30 right? years. Oh, wow. Yeah. She'd ride home about going on these, these boats. They weren't like boats, they were just floats with mm -hmm. cargo. And uh, she'd go with a priest or a group of them would go. And she said, We, we baptized and married couples they had children already but no there was no priest to marry them so. and then they took machetes long to kill whatever snakes and animals they encountered <laughs> my mom was about to die she just little, little, dif little different than grenade yeah. dances really yeah. different really different yeah was she, grandma was she in uh, nicaragua when you were in high school like like uh, you know when you're thinking oh, yeah. going, going to the yeah was she already she taught in Pennsylvania in the coal mining uh, areas for about three years. And then she had a real calling as a missionary to be, she was very outgoing, very creative, and uh, probably pretty daring. So they uh -huh. sent her to Nicaragua. She had to learn how to speak Spanish. And they kept her there for 30 years. Wow. That's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, we had lots of letters, and they're roaming around somewhere. We could put them together. So. That'd be a fun read. They need yeah. to be put yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, when growing up, and it was during the, my brother was in service. <clears throat> my mother had to get his diploma. Because at that time, unless you enlisted, you were, you were drafted as soon as you turned 18. And he wanted to be in the Navy, so he went in the Navy. And mom and another lady had to get their diplomas because they, they couldn't finish school. They had to leave as soon as they turned 18. Wow. So, yeah. Those were some of the other things that were happening when I was in high school. Out of all the you know, world events, that which one would you say impacted your family the most? Um, well, that was all four brothers went into service, but it was after the war was over. Uh, I would say probably for me, first people going to the moon would have been something. Um, I mean, the, the, you lived through the Cold War, the Civil Rights Movement. I mean, I didn't get was into that, that. Was that nothing? I mean, not in Grinnell. Not in Kansas, you know. yeah, not a. It wasn't in Grinnell. Uh, you grew up in a small community. I didn't go to parochial school. I was in a public school system, um, but I wasn't beyond speaking up for what I believed in. 
you mentioned going to the moon. Was that pretty impactful at the oh, time? Sure. We didn't have um, we didn't have television until after I was married. I, I remember standing out on our driveway, and Schmidtbergers were over at our house, and we all went outside thinking we could just see them. Yeah. <laughs> we all went outside and looked up at the moon right? because that's when they were walking on the moon. Yeah. Right. It, it seems to be kind of, I don't know, space travel, NASA seems to be more of a... 60s. Like that, like, yeah, like Dad or, you know, the older people, they're like, oh, man, the astronauts on this, and I'm kind of uh-huh. like, oh, that's cool. You know, but uh, yeah, I guess to, li- to live through it, would be something yeah. totally different, you know, the space race and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, I'm kind of like, all right, yeah, there's right, Gra- Grandma. What all, what all, like sports and activities uh, did you do in in high school? You, did you? I guess I didn't realize there was girls basketball or. Uh, well, it was um, kind of what, strange what, because by the time I got to be old enough for basketball, we didn't have any coaches. Now, you, in high school, it was during World War II for me, so our teachers were all older. Uh, oh, right. A lot of the younger ones were being put into other areas. Uh, the young teachers, a lot of them had gone into service, the young people. Um, so we had a lot of older, we had some younger coaches, but they, my older sisters played basketball. By the time I was old enough, they had eliminated that one. So huh. the boys, we didn't have football till I was a junior in high school. And then it was a six man. We had no clue what football was about i was a (laughs) cheerleader and we would run the line we called it we were on the long side and watch the plays and then we'd cheer i didn't (laughs) really know what i was cheering about but uh, and people sat in cars we didn't have um the the bleachers so my youngest brother wanted to play football my mom said no that this one half-brother of my dad's, who ended up being a missionary priest, had his neck broken playing football. And so mom insisted that the boys would not play football when it showed up. So she said, we'll buy you a new, Kenny was very musical, so she said, no, why don't you get into band and we'll buy you a new uh, trumpet. Well, he gave in, but when he was like a sophomore, Kenny was a rebellious kid anyway, and his grades dropped, and he was having trouble in school, and mom finally gave in and let him play football. But none of my other brothers ever played it. You played volleyball. I played volleyball big time, and the boys had a volleyball team, so we all traveled together, and I played softball and track. Yeah, I was pretty good at the hurdles. That's awesome. Rhonda and I didn't get that. Yeah, that gene seemed to pass you guys by. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, and I loved, I loved sports. I really did. I liked volleyball really well. Whatever they offered, I took up. So. Grandma, I feel like we should know this, but how did you meet Grandpa? How, how was, what was that courtship like? Well, that's another whole story. I think I've heard, <laughs> I think I've heard this one. Maybe. Oh, I don't know if I have. Dances in Collier? Um, we loved to dance, all of us, and my brothers would take me because I wasn't allowed to date until I was probably a senior. So my brothers Same with would, us. Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. I had to I'm, see you about a girl. Remember, I'm your grandmother. <laughs> uh, so when I got to go to a dance, it was with Ray and Charlie, and that was my two older brothers. And we all loved to dance. Everybody jitterbugged. 
And uh, so it was no, no really problem with having a dancing partner because you kept changing. So when I was at, we went to a, uh, uh, it was kind of like maybe a church sponsored dance in Grainfield, which was 10 miles. And who comes along but these two fellas that had been to a town team baseball game, and it was in St. Leo. Not St. Leo. You have to know, not St. Leo, St. Peter. You have to know St. Peter, very German town. They told me that right off of third base there was a keg of beer. Well, by the time <laughs> your grandpa got to this dance, him and his buddy must have run around third base every <laughs> every chance they got. They were legging out a single, all, <laughs> going all the way to third. They probably even coached it in between. <laughs> so anyway, they showed up at this dance, and uh, that was the time when there was no drinks allowed in the inside. So we intermissioned. The band quit playing for 30 minutes or 45, and we intermissioned. Now, the goal was if you went with a bunch of girls, that some guy would ask you out for intermission. Had I known how dangerous that was at this age, I thought twice about going out with somebody. I didn't know. But we all crowded into one car, and the boys always had their bottles in the car, and they would pass around now, I'm not above all this. They would pass around this bottle of liquor, and you would take a sip, and then the bottle of 7-Up followed it. You had to chase it with that. How old were you when this was going on? Oh, I was already 17 or 18. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I knew better. But anyway, that was intermission. Well, who comes up to me while we were dancing? Wanted to dance. It was Gene. I had no idea who he was, but he played town team ball, so my brothers knew him, and I probably had seen him playing at some point. And he wanted to dance, and I said, all right, well, he wasn't feeling any pain. You know his voice like I know his voice. And he kept making this goofy sound in my ear. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would jitterbug. He didn't know how to jitterbug very well either. He just kind of... <laughs> threw me around on the dance floor. <laughs> he said, would you go out to intermission with me? Oh, kind of good-looking guy. And I, sure. And he was, he danced, but not quite perfectly like I thought he should. So he and his buddy, Leo, we went out to intermission, and that's kind of when it started. And he wanted 30 miles, and he would drive every Saturday so we could go to somebody's dance every Saturday. <laughs> yeah, so that's how I met your dad. Was that? Uh, so you guys were pretty good dancers, really good dancers. Yeah. So did that evolve over the years then? Or oh yeah, because when you went I stopped to, going to third base. Yeah, <laughs> that was where you met all your friends. New Year's Eve was at Waukee. Jeanette Siemens. Also, if I could go back and get pictures, she was probably at some of the same dances I was. But you went to Waukini at this big gymnasium, and it was so packed because they had a big band, and you danced and danced and danced. But what you did, there was a set of three songs. It was a compared a dance. One would be a fast one, then it would be a little slow one. If you danced with a guy, you had to dance all three of those. So then you'd say, okay, the next time we're going to switch partners. 
And so you danced with all your friends. And when you went to New Year's Eve party, you kissed most of them at midnight because <laughs> they just <laughs> made the rounds. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, you really found out who you really liked to dance with. We moved to Pratt, and not too many people danced. But Martin Quint was a fantastic dancer. And you learned how to jitterbug. You learned how to polka. You learned how to waltz. All those were big band sounds. So it's not anything like a DJ. Yeah, not, not quite like today. Yeah. I loved watching you and Dad and Martin and Betty dance. Oh, yeah. they Boy, they were smooth. Yeah. And you had to have leather sole shoes. There's no way you can dance in these shoes. Something you could dance. slide around in. Oh, yeah. It's hard on your knees. Yeah. But you can't. I think that's what was wrong with my knees when we had to start wearing rubber sole shoes. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't turn when I did. How long did you guys date then before you got married? Oh, this happened in the summer, probably a year and a half. I was working at the post office when I met him, and uh, he, when he had to come out of service, he worked. He ended up working. We call We said it was the railroad gang. They they come out on these. What did they call those carts that they? Oh, those pulley. The carts. ones you'd see on the yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where going up and down and. And so the post office wasn't very far from the railroad tracks. <laughs> when he comes through Pratt or through Grinnell, he he would they would stop there, and so he'd come off and come visit me at the post office. How how old were you when you got married? Just two months short of being twenty, so. And Leanne was born. And Leanne was born in the same year we got married. Yeah, I just thought I'd later. tell that publicly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was but Grandpa was Grandpa Catholic, or did he convert? Oh, another story. No, I kind of jumped out of the box with that one. Oh man, there well, that's where there, Mom there gets go, it Mom. from. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he grew up in a kind of a probably it had to have been at least half and half. Catholic and Protestant, but he had a lot of Catholic buddies that went to parochial school, and he was in the public school. So when we dated, we did, we were around a lot of his friends as well as mine, and so when we talked about getting married, he had no problem with that, and it wasn't like today where it takes a while. I can see the benefits of that, but he met with this priest that we'd had a long time and everybody liked. He was very friendly with everybody. So Gene, we met twice and they talked about fishing. Had nothing to do with being Catholic. So uh, anyway, we were married, we joined the church the Christmas. We got married in January. And uh, he went to see Gene's folks. Didn't announce the fact that he was going. And he his mother said, yeah, this priest, this guy knocked on the door, and it was Father Jordan. He said, well, just thought I'd come busy. I hear you're going to marry one of my parishioners, <laughs> your son. And I just wanted to talk to you and see how that was all going to go. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to do it. <laughs> they didn't know he was going to do it. But it was, it was a very good thing because I really, really, I loved those in-laws. They were very good people, and his dad said, well, I my church is out there with my cows and my cattle. His mother was very committed to her Methodist, Catholic Methodist, but yeah, but his dad said, well, he 
that's where he attended church out in the pasture with his cows. So, but it worked. And uh, his mother said, uh, "If you do, there was a beer joint across the street from the church in Collier." And she would go in on Sunday morning and see one of these fathers over there with their kids. And the rest of the family was in the church, which was just about maybe a half a block from there. She said, if I ever come by on Sunday morning and see you in that beer joint during church, you're going to have to answer to me. <laughs> she was formidable. Yes. And uh, so that was never a question. We lived in Collier a couple of years. But, yeah. And then moved to Pratt from there? No, no, heavens, no, we, we toured the state. Uh, he tried to farm, and that didn't work. Uh, there just wasn't enough economy at the time. So when he got a job with Continental Grain as a, as a, a manager, so we moved to Home City, which was a population of about 300 people. We lived on Main Street, two blocks from the, or two houses from the beer joint, uh, we had an outside toilet. We had running water for a shower, but it came from a cistern. Uh, my dad oh, came, wow. and he said, uh, he brought along some equipment. He was an irrigation man. He brought home along a pump and a great big hose, and we had an electric pump on the, on the porch. So he pumped water from that pump into the cistern so we'd have enough case it didn't rain, but we, we couldn't drink the water from there. We had to use the pump we had, fresh water. Those were all good experiences we had, but they were sure different. This was in 19, uh, before your mom was born. And we so were Le Leanne and Rhonda born at this point, or just Leanne? They were both born while we lived down on the farm. And then Becky, your mom, and Nancy. Then we lived in... in uh, home city for one year, made good friends there. Then we moved to Natoma, and I was pregnant with your mom. And before the year was over, he decided to go back and work with my dad as a parts man. So when time we got back in Grinnell before your mom was born. So her and Becky were born in Quinter. Nancy. Or Nancy, yeah. So, and then... And Leanne, or yeah, Nancy was six weeks old when we moved to Pratt. Now that was an excursion. What brought you to Pratt? Fishing game. Yeah. And uh, he'd been wanting that for a long time, so he took the test, prepared for it, and he was hired. He lived up here all that December, and he came home. Well, he came home in time for Nancy's birth. And then we packed up, and we moved on the 24th of January. Nancy was six weeks old. Oh, that'd be tough. It was, and I was living next to Bernice then, so I had, had to leave. Had some help, and I had to leave because she was in the hospital with Terry <laughs> when we uh, moved here. Was that was that tough though? You're living next to your sister and your parent. You, you've got all your family there, and moving to a town where you don't know anybody. It was yeah, it was scary for me. Pratt was be like, you people moving to Chicago. <laughs> yeah it was it was that much bigger and i just knew i'd lose my kids i thought i lost your mom one day and i looked all over i called jim shanley and your grandpa come in and looked all up and down the alleys 
We lived on Stout Street. So I thought, well, I better go back in the house and do stuff. She was under, behind the dining room table, and I had this big lace tablecloth. She was sound asleep back there in the corner. <laughs> I think I did that more than once. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a tough move to make, but probably one of the best. So then all four boys were born here in Pratt? Yeah, and Dr. Freeman took credit for that. Yeah? Yeah, I said, told him be careful who he told that to. how different it would have been if the order was reversed if you would have had the four boys first probably probably that would have been it probably would have had four girls i don't know about that gene had something to say about that you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh yeah so it is what it is and i wouldn't trade any of it for anything you know uh i appreciate what i have now because I learned a lot just from, if you want to say osmosis, but I learned a lot from growing up where I did and how I did. And I didn't look back to think it was anything that I didn't have. I had girlfriends that had better dolls, and I thought, you know, I like to go over there and play, but it never made me feel bad because I knew I had friends that had a lot less than we did. Right. And we were all living about in the same economy. So when you were in Pratt and you had and you were raising your kids, did did you work? Because I remember then when I went to Sacred Heart, you know, you worked in the kitchen there. Yeah. Or what were some of your jobs in Pratt? Or? Well, I wasn't working when we moved here. My experiences were in I, I, hey Bo, I did some journaling in in Collier, Kansas. I went. Oh wow! I wrote for the paper, and it was uh, I would go in on Monday and visit, go up and down the streets, which weren't too many. And I would get what they had all done. So then I'd go home and I'd write these little things. So and so made a trip to to uh, Quinter. They had some business, and while they were there, they visited blah 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 blah. Well, the next column had the sentence had to sound a little different. So then the next one I'd visit, they'd been to somewhere to buy cattle or something. So I had to figure out how to word that so they wouldn't all look the same. And I got paid so much a column. That's so, awesome. I didn't know that. I, I, I'm through old newspapers, Grandma, and that's a. Those are those are things that they, you know, that they would. Every every paper would do that. You know, you'd see who visited, right, yeah. and, and who right. traveled, and whose whose kids were home from the service, and, yeah, right. and who got married, and if you had a shower, <laughs> and I I did that while we lived on the farm, and then when we moved, I didn't work till we moved back. Uh, no, we didn't move till we moved to Pratt. You had several jobs here. Yeah, so then when, you know, the economy, uh, we, I need a little more income. So I started sewing for people, and I had regular customers that I made dresses for, and I made wedding outfits, I made, uh, yeah, and I sewed for all the kids. Then I took two real estate courses. I thought I'd like to work in real estate. And that time your dad decided we needed that restaurant. <laughs> so we brought, we bought the Pitts Diner and we had that for almost five years. And in the meantime, I picked up catering. You also worked in a liquor store. Oh yeah, I worked for B. Almond out in the liquor store. That was before we had mm-hmm. the- Before the diner. Yes. Where, which liquor store was that? The one on the West End. 
down there by JD's. It's oh, okay. Station yeah. now. Okay. Oh yeah, I think I only had one bottle stolen while I was on duty. Grandpa? And, uh, <laughs> no. Oh, he had his own outlet. <laughs> but uh, you know, that was an experience. I saw um, people come in to buy liquor, and there were usually women who didn't have enough to put the right clothes on their kids, uh, lived in a lower, lower, lower income, and they would come in and buy liquor for their husbands. And I saw one come in one day, and she had her jaw wired, and she was buying liquor again because she had hidden one of the bottles from her husband that she had bought for him the day before. And he didn't like that at all, So, but she was back buying it again. So I learned a lot with even that job that, you know, you can carry yourself too far with some things. And uh, then I catered, and I liked that. The Knights of Columbus was my outlet, my uh, place of business. They were, got so much percentage off of what I earned, and it was a good, I liked that. I really liked it. It was a lot of hard work. Your grandpa said, don't bring any more green beans or turkey home. He was tired of turkey and green beans. <laughs> and then I... Uh, we decided to sell the diner. We'd had a big fire in there. We got it all back to order and sold it. But they came to me and wanted me to take over the lunch program because they needed a, somebody, and I got them back into the government program. This is Sacred Heart now you're talking about? Yeah. And they reopened the school, and Benny uh, Dittman was doing it for nothing. And so I said, I can't work for you for nothing. So you either get back in the government program or you're going to have to pay a wage. And so that's what happened. And, yeah, and I enjoyed that part also. And then I how, how long did you do? I remember that when, when I was in preschool. How long was I at Cook at Sacred Heart? Probably about 15 years. Oh. Then I, yeah, that's what I always remember growing up was, yeah, yeah grandma was the. And then I got, she was the lady at Sacred Hearts. So you yeah. better behave. And then I got into, uh, of course, the religious education I'd been involved with, even though all the kids went. When you got in high school, you were no longer in that school. So we had high school programs. But I went finally, and I said, you know, you need to order, you need to hire a director. I'm up here doing a lot of the volunteer stuff. And it needs to be somebody more than opening the doors. We don't have a director. and There needs to be some guidance up here. So they paid me. I finally said, I can't work for nothing, though. I need another supplement. So I cooked in the morning and did religious ed in the afternoon. I got this big paycheck, $300 a month. <laughs> <laughs> but it was $300. Like you said, that's better than working for free. That's your right. So, so just speaking with the church, uh, you grew up prior to Vatican II, uh, and then you saw it transition to that. What, like, what do you think it'll change to next? <laughs> I mean, what do you think the big, next big change is in the church? Chaos. <laughs> it's <No>. chaos. <laughs> priest priest, be, priest being coffee. married. <laughs> do you think, I mean. I will only give you my version uh -huh. of what I think. First of all, you will hear we have already buried priests. 
And the first time I encountered that, I was at a convention or something at a banquet, and they introduced, there were priests sitting up there, and they were introducing them, and they said, this is Father So-and-so, and this is his wife. And I went, where did he come from? You know, <laughs> And he had been a Presbyterian or Episcopalian minister. Oh, right. Already married, and the church will never separate a, a marriage uh, on its right. own. So he had a calling to convert to Catholicism. So they allowed those priests to stay within their ministry. As a priest, they had to go through some tra- all that training, but they also were allowed to keep their families. They were not going to separate them. Hmm. I didn't so, know that. yeah, there are some priests in the Wichita Diocese, I think, yeah that have families. There is also one that I know, and he is an uncle or cousin to the Blazies. He lost his wife to death, to illness or something. He had children. He'd been a, a deacon, and he told me he'd all, he really felt this calling to continue into a more, a deeper level. So he went to seminary and was ordained and put in parishes where his own skills and his experience would be helpful. But he is a, a priest, but he has a family. So you might hear huh. of those things that happen. Huh. So my thing with married priest, I'm kind of selfish. Uh, if I really wanted a priest, I would want him to come before he did anything his wife wanted him to do. I think marriage and, and ordained priesthood are two vocations, one of its own, each one of its own. For anyone to commit to entirely to one of those vocations, you have to make priorities. I would think it would be very hard for a man to be married with children and a wife and also be a priest for a parish of, let's say we have... 200, 300 active members. And he would have to make a decision between his wife and family above some parishioner just wanted to talk to him. But, I think that's asking a lot for any man. And when you talk about celibacy, that's a gift. That doesn't come just because you say you're going to be a priest. To me, that has to be celibacy. That. That's a, that's a gift that not everybody has. And if I was on any of those councils, I would say, why would you want to do that? And it goes back to the chair of Peter. Peter was the first pope at the time of Christ. He was chosen by Christ himself, and he said, establish his church on, you know, you are in charge now. And so over the years, through councils, through expert you know, knowledge of the scripture and what's going on, the church has remained. There have been in the history of the church married men who became priests. And you'd have to go back and look at all that. But in the Roman Catholic church, they are celibate, or should be. Hmm. And the Eastern Orthodox, those two are still connected with Rome. And so that's the other lineage that has to be considered that that 
we are connected with the administration and the hierarchy of the papal uh, part of Rome, the papal part of the church, that we have a pope that helps govern and look oversees the councils and how the church is developing. That's my idea of marriage and, and ordained ministry, that um, as a married woman, I'm not sure I would have given in all the time. Yeah, Jennifer, I think Jennifer likes the, you know, the not the, yeah. the priest is married to the church. Well, and that's and, and what that's, they, that's what they commit to when they're ordained to be the bridegroom of Christ or the church. So, in that sense, how could you be a bridegroom to completely to the teachings of Christ in the church and be completely committed to a woman and a family? You're all married, you know those situations. And the demands that you have as a married father, as a married man, and a and a father. And Eve took that bite of that apple, and you know if you're married to that, jeez. <laughs> Don't be blaming Eve all the time. <laughs> Eve could make a choice. <laughs> Adam could have made a choice too. <laughs> That's what I kept telling Gene, but you see what happened. <laughs> I'll be real honest with you boys. <laughs> Arnell, Josie's coming with the hard-hitting questions. That's for my wife. <laughs> That's all right. So, what's that, Bo? She texted in a question, uh, Jennifer. I said, like, Vatican dose, and she's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, I will talk about it, but I told you before we started that you have to be careful that you don't preach and teach heresy. If I really believe in my Catholic faith— and I was teaching catechism all those years, I couldn't get up and say, uh, this is a touchy one. Uh, now we don't have to worry about it. But it is serious to keep missing church on Sunday. I mean, if that's a choice you make. Um, oh, for those of you <laughs> listeners, there was a little leg tap to mom there. <laughs> no, and You're mean, not going to hear that on radio, but we saw it. Yeah, you can edit some of this. But that... That's where I'm at. Uh, <laughs> as a teacher of the faith, I couldn't say that, oh, it's nothing serious any more than I can say it's okay to have an abortion. I'm teaching something contrary to the precepts of the church, and I can't do that if I'm going to be a teacher of the faith. No more than Father can get up and say that from the pulpit. Father is dedicated to teaching according to the teachers, the teaching of the church and Christ. So I have to tell people that because um, I can sit in a group of women. I have to be pretty quiet sometimes uh, over the controversies of some of those issues. Divorce was not seen as a really acceptable part of church. Some people probably stayed married and shouldn't have, but they also saw the ramifications of that, so they met and talked, and they come up with the process called annulment. That doesn't mean you weren't married before. It just means that it has released you so that you can go back to the sacramental part of the church. Okay, politics now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just Keep kidding. going. Just no. Grandma, when you guys moved to Pratt, did you guys move to the, the house by the tennis courts right away, or were you guys somewhere else? Oh, no. 
we lived over there on uh, Thompson. Thompson. You know where the Winricks lived? No, they don't live there. Uh, Mary and Bud Winrick. You know where? Um, it's way north Thompson. Okay, that's where we lived. You remember Jimmy Fisher, the repair man, mm-hmm. Alice and Jimmy Fisher? Is Thompson, the road, is Thompson the road that goes behind the high school? No, no Thompson, Thompson's um, on the east side of town. The, I'm bad. Uh, Tatros, the Tatros lived down there. Yeah, none of those people live there the now. The Adelharts lived down there. I think Audrey still does. Okay, the Cosses. It's close to where the Cosses live on Holly Street. Amanda Coss. Kind of remember. It's in that used area. on Fifth Street. Oh, that's in that area. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> uh, when we moved, the only house that Jim Chanley and G- your grandpa could find was this house down on North Thompson. So it had two bedrooms, a living, little living room, dining room, and a kitchen. Had glass doorknobs. A little bath. I remember that. Yeah. So we moved into there. There were six of us. And then this house on Stout Street opened up next to the Blazy Boys and Donnie and that group. And so we rented that house. That had four bedrooms. About a year and a half till we found the house on Haskell. And that house had been moved over there by Ramsey. And it, during the winter, somehow the heat went off and a pipe upstairs broke. There was a bathroom. And it flooded the ceiling and they were all plastered. It flooded that and that all fell down and the man backed out. So they were redoing the first floor when we bought that. They tore down all the plastered walls and put up sheetrock. But the upstairs was the original. And we liked it, and we bought it. It had been moved in where Alco used to be. That's where it used to sit, on the corner of... And you said that's why it had a wraparound porch, because it was on a corner? Yeah, it used to be on the corner. On a corner lot. And then you moved the next one in south of us, and then Harold moved in in between. Harold Harold Voss. Voss. It was a duplex. Yeah. So we bought, when Ray was about a year and a half, we bought that house on Haskell. That was called Hits Hatchery on Haskell Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't know that. Because I think that is probably the highest point in Pratt. You can check it out. Could be. Yeah. We could see downtown. We could see Parish Hotel lights all the time. and, And your grandpa always saw the boys... Climbing the fence to the swimming pool. <laughs> Heard many stories about that. Yeah, yeah. we could yeah. see out the upstairs window, and they were like ants crawling over that window when the police showed up. Was it Pat? <laughs> Did Pat ride a bike off the high dive? Uh, the high dive. Yeah. Eric, right? Pat, Eric, Lance. Oh, yeah. Pat and Eric did lots of things over there. <laughs> they hid. They hid their magazines in the bushes too. <laughs> Sports Illustrated. Oh sure. <laughs> Geographic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good place to bring up kids. Tennis courts and ballparks and the swimming pool and, and the hospital. hospital. <laughs> yeah. That was, that yeah. was necessary. Convenient to be hospital. right across the street. It provided aid and it provided jobs yeah. for my daughters. Yeah. Yeah. Did, yeah, did all, mom, did all four of you guys work in the hospital at well, some point? Rhonda and I worked in the kitchen. I think Leanne was a candy striper. Yes, she But was. no, she did not work in the kitchen. And that's where Rhonda and Mike used to pick beans together before they really got involved as a couple. 
Easter's garden. Yeah. Anyway, huh. I worked over there one year as in the uh, kitchen. What else you want to know? What else you got? Oh, uh, let's see. Rolling some of these questions. Um, not really a good segue or anything, but what's the uh, what's your favorite piece of technology invented that occurred in your lifetime? You know what? Microwave. Is there something that, you know, for us, it's probably the, you know, internet or smartphones or TV. I don't know. Well, I came on day-to-day -day use. There's probably more probably uh, practical ones that. I came through the age of, you know, TV. I didn't have one of those when I was married. Um, probably, I love typing. I did pretty well with it. I like bookkeeping. So I think probably over the years, besides a lot of the other small stuff, but the computer is probably the one because I love to work on it. I can delete when I want to. I don't have to erase. I can delete all that if I want. Uh, I can keep it. I can print it. I can store it. You can't do that with an ordinary typewriter. She's more computer savvy than I am. Yeah. What would you? What? What? How about you, Mom? I remember coming down here and mom would still use the typewriter to do the, the daily, daily lunch specials. Daily specials. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, you yeah, print this off. Oh, I mean, gosh, I don't know. I think probably the phone, the computer, phones, computers. computers. That's probably yeah. the biggest. Oh yeah. The phone. You're going to have to wait for two rigs. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those phones. You could listen to all, all the dirty stuff you wanted to. If you, if your folks let you, you know, you can hear all your neighbors <laughs> telling them all their stories. Yeah. <laughs> I think those. I think those was. Um, I saw my dad electrify my mother's sewing machine. My dad was a very, very skilled man in his own time. He built both of these drilling rigs. And, wow. uh, yeah, and did very well with them. So, yeah, he was a very skilled man, and probably he, when he went to have something. Um, he invented a, a perforated piping for irrigation wells, and he made his own machine to do that. Well, he went to get it uh, patented. He come back home, and he said, too much red tape, too much money. I'll just perforate my own casing and use my own machine. And now I, it's done all the time. Yeah. If he would have patented Oh, that. yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. What but could have been? That was my dad. He carried very little life insurance. He said, I trusted something better than that. He did. Grandma, the house that you grew up in, is it still, is it, is anybody living in it in, oh, yeah. in Grinnell? It looks yeah. completely different, but it, it looks nice. Yeah. They've um, done a lot of work to it. My dad at one time, that was a white wood siding house, had two big porches when I was growing up. They were wood. So when he decided to redo it, when I was like in junior high, maybe first part of high school, he actually stuccoed the house, tore the porches off, made a small one on the front, and the other one he redid and put part of it into the kitchen area for an eating area and an entryway. Uh, he redid all of that, stuccoed the house, put in different windows, and... Uh, yeah, so he was pretty much ahead of his time then, and it's that's still there. And uh, I think they've put siding on it now. And huh. they tore down the picket fence. They put a big quonset 
a butler building in the backyard, which kind of took away the that that whole area, that block area that we had. So yeah, um, it's still there, and they've redone. Dad renovated the inside, but they've done some other things in it. I think. Yep, it's still there. Mom, didn't we go see it one summer, like maybe when I was in high school, early high school? We didn't go in. Did we drove by? We took a uh, we took a road trip. It was Rhonda and I and all you boys. Do you remember going out there? We went. Yeah. To Grinnell. I, think there's a I remember going out there one time, and was there a swimming pool? Somebody have a swimming pool we out went there? Out to Charlene's. Uh, one of her kids had gotten yeah. married, so we we went yeah. to Charlene's and crashed out there. That was one of our I remember that vaguely. No, it was just me and Rhonda. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We stayed at the Oakley, one of the Oakley motels. That's uh, <laughs> still there. That's not very nice. Yeah. Going to Charlene, we were when I was real little to swim, swim in her pool. Charlene's, yeah, you did. Yeah, I got pictures of that. I don't think Cody was born yet. I think, yeah. I don't know. Or maybe just a baby. Yeah. Yeah, she married into a farming family, the Baumans, and then my brother married one of the another one of those mom and family. It's quite a prevalent family out there. And Barbie married into the Bauman family. There's quite a few married into those families out there. Anyway. What else you got, Joe? Oh, I'm just looking through here, you know. Kind of doing this because we're not getting together for yeah, the holidays. So that's what, what I was a, Yeah, what, you know, what's your, what's your favorite holiday tradition? Do you have one? Oh, yes. Are they all? Oh, yes. And it's kind of gotten altered. I think probably one of the best ones from my growing up was the Midnight Mass on Christmas. That everything we did at Christmas centered around that when we got our presents, when the tree went up. We all went to church. When you got to be a freshman, you could sing on the choir, which is a big thing because it was a big choir and it was an adult choir. It wasn't a child. So thought and mom would do this big, big breakfast afterwards, and it was the first time we got all of the sausage that they had made. Dad did his own pork butchery, even though we lived in town, and uh, that's what he did growing up. Cured our own hams, made our own sausage. You ever done a grinder and had to feed the sausage into the casing with no bubbles? If you had a bubble, you broke it and had to start all over. Uh, yeah. You guys have missed out on all that. <laughs> you, you just go buy it from the wherever, Sam's or wherever. Um, what about now as being, you know, being the grandma of the family? That Christmas gathering. The, you know, that, that would be your. Yeah. You yeah. don't know. You don't know how much you guys are envied. Simply because we still do it. Yeah. That we actually Not come together. And you were here a year ago, Bo. Two years. Or two? two years. Was it two years? It was 18. 2018. Yeah. Eight. Which was a milestone because you can't do that all the time. Yeah. And and we've got four gen four generations, right? Right. In the same house, which is pretty cool. Yeah, for now for a while you do, so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm worried about five. I, I tell him Kyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I think Oh, that's probably one of the important ones is the whole Christmas idea of gathering family and being who we are regardless. You know, you don't all have yeah. to be the same. Yeah. Uh, are there any specific 
Christmases that stand out? Are there any one you're like, oh, I remember 97 when... Or is, is are there any specific? Yeah. When Mike, when Mike, when Mike, yeah, I remember the jar of pickles. pickles for yeah, the gift exchange. yeah. That, that was Rhonda, and in her defense, that was the first year we were doing that, and they they said handmade, and she brought. Oh no! Oh, okay, I feel, okay. We're just kidding, Rhonda. Yeah, like, we're just kidding. I, I love it when people bring jerky and stuff like that too. Yeah. Somebody yeah. brought just a broomstick one year without the damn broom head. That was, was that, Joe. That yeah. Was, so Jeff, no, Jeff. Jeff or Joe? Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you know, not being able to go home for Christmas, the first one I had to miss going back to Grinnell. That was usually a big one out there, and uh, that was hard. What caused you to miss it? It was you just didn't travel. You like just didn't just no. didn't travel. Or one of them got measles or chicken pox or bumps, yeah. and we were quarantined. We couldn't go anywhere with Hello. Thank you. Hello, twenty twenty. <laughs> Back to quarantine yeah. so and Christmases. Quarantine was nothing for me. When I grew up, you were in the house with a big orange sign on the door that said quarantine. Nobody came in, and you could go nowhere. So I was, quarant- got- I was quarantined a lot when I was little. Yeah. So, yeah, Christmases are very important to me. Uh, you all, Everyone lives their own lives, has taken their own journeys. And at least you can come back and talk to each other. I know families that don't blessed with that. Yeah, that's pretty I do too. sad. So that's my prayer that that never stops for any of you, regardless of whether you're here or not. We've got Bo on a seventy-inch screen right in front of us. So yeah, yeah. if we don't like what he says, we can mute him. Yeah. It's like around the horn. This is great. That's why I, I need like, the panel here. Yeah. That's why I like computers. I can delete him out. Yeah. I keep thinking Bo can see me because I'm looking right at him, but I can't. Yeah. So. Well, I'm glad we sat down and did this. Anything else, Josie, that you want to touch on, or Bo? Anything you can think to? All the questions we've got have been kind of just randomly answered throughout the conversation. Yeah. I think we could do it again too, right? You could, you could. We, you know, we could do it every now and then, and and talk about different things that you know come to come to mind. Well, it's just fun to how often do we all sit down and have a conversation maybe, like this? Maybe I ought to pick all your minds. There you go. We can turn the tables. Yeah. You have to be honest though. Yeah. I don't know. I I'm getting a text from <laughs> Carrie. The kids need me. Uh, oh. <laughs> I I do like this one though. It says, What's one thing that would surprise us? Something about you that would surprise us that we don't know. That would surprise me. That, that would surprise, surprise us. us. Something about you that would surprise us if we learned about you or that they might say on my obituary and you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. What uh anything that we don't know about you that would surprise us? I can think about that. You know probably much most of who I am, where I've come from. Um You don't have a tattoo or anything we don't know about or anything like that. <laughs> There's not a heart with Jean on on a butt cheek or anything like that. No. Okay. I wouldn't have honored him okay. with that. <laughs> I did. I remember growing up, though, I had a uh, birthmark on my stomach, and it looked like a strawberry. It was really red. And my mom, oh, I don't know what her and her friends would be talking about. She said, Rita, come here. And she lifted my skirt up, and she said, see, this is what I'm talking about. I remember that very vividly. (laughs) (laughs) She had to show her my birthmark. But that's long gone. I don't know if it's just stretched out or if it just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> you know pretty much about me. 
Uh, I'm pretty verbal when I want to be. Uh, I stood up for what I believed in even in high school. We didn't have school dances because the principal didn't believe in it. She'd probably drink a Corona over a glass of wine. Well, maybe. <laughs> Depends the occasion. <laughs> if I want to be more dignified, I'll go with the wine. Uh, I remember Sister Kenneth drinking a natural light with a straw. No, that no, was Aunt Joe. That was Aunt, oh, no, that was Aunt Joe. Yeah, yeah I was going to say the same a, thing. Out at Uncle Ray's garage. Yeah. She was, how old was she? 90? <laughs> 91. 91. Right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, drinking and a natty light with a straw. And what did she say? She said, could you get me a straw? And I thought Chris, whoever it was, just went. And so you're gonna got her a straw. She said, well, my lips have never touched liquor. <laughs> <laughs> And she would tell me, I'd go pick her up, and she'd uh, get her into the car. She used to walk her, and I said, you need, no, I don't need any help. She would back up and sit down on the seat. She said, wherever the butt goes, the legs will follow. <laughs> and this was on Dad's side of the family. Yeah, this is Dad's side of the family. Yeah, so uh, what have you thrown away in your life? Oh, what was that one? Yeah, I didn't, um, where, that, where was that one at? Third of the last one. What have you thrown have away? Have you thrown you away anything in your life that you wish you hadn't? Maybe something actually tangible, not like a opportunity or an opportunity, I suppose. No, and if you go up to my house, there are some things that I won't let go of. Um, you know, at least I don't ever change my wall hangings. Still got the senior pictures hanging up. Yeah, but to me, they have meaning. I can look at those pictures and think, oh, God, I remember when she did that or... Yeah, that was a kind of a hard time. I can look. I have hand-painted pictures from my sister. I have a hand-painted pictures from my wedding from a friends of my Jean's parents. I have pictures from my mother who hang above the mantle. Now I have the family picture. I don't. I'm not one to change a lot of things just because they fit a decor or because they are modern or because they are the thing of the time. All right. No, and I guess you think I'm real holy. I got lots of those kind of things around too. That's who you are. I remember Bo bringing Father, home Father Rita. Isn't that what they call you? Her mother superior. We have holes in Mom's house like that. There's a hole in the wall from Jared Wilkie. I remember that. There's a hole in the wall from yeah, so we Adam Melikar. I remember our house, that. our house is pretty holy. There's a ho- yeah. <laughs> Not so much pictures, more uh, sheetrock patches. I still, I still have the little cross you made, Josie. It's out of pieces of old wood. It keeps falling apart. Maybe it's only about this preschool? big. I wonder when I made that. I don't have to. It would be no wood your dad would have saved, I don't think. Right. Uh, and by, Bo, I have your last supper you brought from Italy. Oh, good. Yeah. I've probably got something from yeah, you, well, Cody, what? over there. Can't remember. That middle child, does she have? Yeah, middle years? child. <laughs> hey, Grandma. Yeah. You, you guys moved around a little bit early on. Was there ever an opportunity where. Uh, you guys almost moved out of Pratt for a job, or once you guys were in Pratt, were you that was that the the, the fit that stuck? No, Gene said one time you'd sure like to work that river area over in Wichita. I said, well, huh? you just go right ahead because I'm staying in Pratt with the kids. <laughs> that was the end yeah. of the conversation. They, <laughs> they made some great lifelong friends. From almost the many moved here with the Shanleys, oh, yeah. the Schmidtbergers, the Quints, right. Tassets. You know, you just made and some all great... of those kids now are grown up. Mm-hmm. You know, they always say hi to me. Um, those were couples that, 
And I think it said, what's your advice? I think that all couples ought to form some kind of relationship with other couples, and they have some things in common. Because I think those relationships are very important to families and build some kind of memories from some of that. Because I still have people in Pratt that I can look back and say, oh, I remember when we did this. I remember when we all got together for this one. We used to have pig, pig roast in the backyard, and it was all those people, the Winricks, the Quints, Schmidtbergers, the Mosiers, those people, some of them are still living. They used to do, I think it was called, was it called wassailing? Yes. Was it on Chris, New Year's New Year's Day? Day. They, would, they would start at maybe our house for appetizers, and then they'd go to Schmidtbergers for um hors d'oeuvres and then they'd go they just make the rounds they were probably pretty drunk by the time they got wherever they were i going. think i've heard barb talk about that yeah, yeah. and then but it was a great tradition we loved it and we didn't go with up. them but we just got to see them when yeah. they came to our house and you ended up at someone's house and you either end up with that soup or chili or something and then you'd play cards shanley's was another be fun. group yeah so that's, that's, that's important whatever you like to do I think families need to have other families that somehow years later those kids still know. You guys all got that. Well, it's kind of funny just too. Then you run into people like, you know, I was at the golf course and Brian Schmidtberger was there, you know, and it's I, I don't really know him that well, but because of, you know, yours and Nancy's and, and right. the, you know, yeah. or I teach with Mary Beth Nelson who is a Bichard, <laughs> you know, and that's from Grinnell, you know, and she's like, oh well, way back. you know, and that's from you know you and. Grandpa with with her parents, her mother Blackie was, and, yeah. and her mother was a class sponsor for me. Right, and so I mean that's just kind of crazy then to see. Yeah. We went on our senior trip together to Colorado. She was one of my sponsors. Right. So it's just kind of yeah, you know your group of friends still then is just to right. see how it kind of stretches all over the place and it's right. like oh yeah, well, ripples how the ripples over. A girl, a, a, a girl I te- uh, coach with this year, her dad's a Whitman. Well, their first job coaching was in, and teaching was in Grinnell. Like he coached Jackie struck off or was, you know, one of the, and so he was out in Grinnell. And, and so it's just one of those uh-huh. like, oh, I know the, the yeah. he knew Will Bixman, you know, and it's like, it's kind of crazy. I just found out last night with, from uh, Kay Estes, her mother is from Grinnell and uh, she was somehow, uh, She's a cousin to Jackie Struckoff. I said, well, Jackie's my first cousin. You know, so we'll talk about that. Yeah, so it's the Ballman connection, I believe. Bernard. Was, um, was Aunt Jeannie a Ballman? She was a Ballman, wasn't she? Say hi. Hey, Allie. Who we got coming on? Hi, Allie. Allie. You better come and say hello. Hey. Hey, Allie Ray. Hi, Allie. How are you? How you doing? She's growing like a weed, Grandma. (laughs) I'm waving at the TV. Yeah. We're high-teching in Uncle Cody's new studio. Studio next to me. You got any questions? You got any questions for Aunt Aunt, Aunt, Grandma Rita? We're putting Grandma on the hot seat. You got any questions you want to ask her? Grandma Grandma turns 89 in March. Yeah. No. You could you could say something about her favorite child being your grandmother, meaning me. <laughs> well, what else would I say? She's sitting next to me. <laughs> I think that's confirmation. 
she was trying to have a good beer. Christmas. That's what it was. Yeah. What'd she say? She was trying to sneak root beer. <laughs> That's why she was coming down. Well, sneaky. Right. Yeah, sneaky. You, stick, you nope. stick to that root beer, honey. Yeah, rather than the beer. <laughs> Stay away from third base. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the one to end it on. I think that should do it, Bo. Unless you got anything, Joseph. No, that's Grandma. I'd love to do this. Again. Yeah, this great. Mom, I'm Grandma, glad we did this. You. Mom, Grandma, thanks for sitting down with okay. us and doing this. We're gonna get this sent out to everybody. And well, delete out whatever isn't proper. Well, I think we did pretty good. <laughs> I think so. I try to keep my language clear. I don't clean. think it'll take much editing at all. No. Good. Merry Christmas. Merry everybody. Christmas to everybody yeah. listening. If you're driving, drive yeah, safe. Yeah. Bless you all. Yep. Merry Christmas Merry and that ought to do it. Love you. Love you. Love you.